0: Hey, it's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on SiriusXM Patriot. Who do we trust to make the rules? Who makes the rules? And I would add the question, which rules are required? The Senate Commerce Committee, two tech hearings, you look at what's going on with all the various whistleblowers, videos, and documents being released, Uh, For the tech giants, right? Apple, Facebook, Google, Amazon, others. Do we trust government to go to the next step, whatever that next step is, and take on the issue of protecting kids online, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or otherwise, uh, to deal with the various issues that have been raised, one by people with common sense, but yeah, even by the social scientists, who have studied uh, the effect on not just children, but on people, on adults as well, when it comes to big tech and social media. What about our choices? Are we the ones not being responsible enough? Will Reinhart, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University, joins me. Will, uh, we could fit that in a tweet. We probably can't fit this (laughs) conversation in a tweet. But, you know... First, let me start with the obvious. You know this. Yeah. People write algorithms. People create these platforms. Algorithms don't write algorithms. Servers, the best AI in the world, does not create it, merely interpolates. Therefore, at the core of this are people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really wish that senators and representatives understood that better. Right. They, they seem to really push a lot of blame on Facebook as this kind of big tech giant and and don't put as much emphasis on the actual decision makes making that goes on at a very, you know, at a very base level that can actually improve lives.
0: Additionally, and I'm using myself as the example this morning, even though we're talking more about Facebook. I put up a post on Twitter within mere seconds, an algorithm that had to have been written before the post went up, immediately flagged, the conversation is possibly too intense. People are making these decisions at any of these platforms. These algorithms are written to follow threads, words, keywords, to crawl these posts and find them. So now you've got politicians who don't understand or maybe just are playing for the political game in large part. You do have some that are concerned. After all, some of them are parents with responsibility. And you have big tech that I say doesn't care. They come in, they leave.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that is the, the kind of tension we're seeing with all of these different players. And I, you know, I really wish that some of the hearings that we would have seen in the last two weeks would have been more focused on tech empowerment and giving giving parents the ability and the tools to understand these these changing dynamics and really focused on, you know, teens and adolescents and, and the best ways to give them support. And, and uh, through, through you know, very difficult and tough times of the last couple of years. So those sorts of things really were not the focus of the hearings. And I, I really wish they would have been the focus of the hearings
0: what can really be done and your point i think is important uh about giving parents right giving us more ability i say we've surrendered it that's a problem uh you know that we haven't taken control of our lives and of our children's activity and yes children are smart they can outsmart you and do it when you're not watching but what about that approach
1: I mean, there's a lot that parents can do. I mean, in, in some regards, there are some very sharp people who are who are um, you know laying out uh, laying out some of like very very clear rules. For example, you know, taking away or, or having a limited time uh, for screens, making sure that teens don't use it towards the end of the day, um, ensures that they're going to have better sleep patterns, which are consistently shown to actually benefit teens. Um, you know, it's, it's a very important part of, of their lives to actually get the, you know, get proper sleep. So limiting the time period that you that you spend to make sure that it's not, say, an hour or two hours before bed, that's a really important part. And some teens probably shouldn't actually be on these technologies. There are some that, you know, probably shouldn't until they're an adult, they really shouldn't be using these technologies all that much because it really does affect them more negatively than, than other individuals. And so, those decisions need to be made at the at the parent level and that's something that i don't think congress can do but it's something that the parents really need to take uh, they need to take responsibility for they need to recognize that these new technologies are here in one way or another and they need to understand and start adapting to these changes
0: you know it's a question that's not asked often will but are there some people and i'm not just limited into kids adults included yeah. Are there some people that just aren't capable of handling social media? You know, you look at the mental health component, right? You know, I look at the social scientists who are studying this. Some of the things they're talking about, some of this stuff is easy common sense. To figure out, right, the reaction, the reaction to your brain when you see something, you get your likes. Likes, again, you get hooked on the likes. And if you don't get enough likes, now there's something wrong. And I got to tell you, the videos I watch on various platforms are of adults or at least those who are of majority age and plus who are incapable, it seems, of handling social media.
1: I think that is very true. There are some adults that aren't capable of handling social media. You know, I, I absolutely love my mother to death, um, but she she really, you know, the the kind of uh, the political conversations that go that go on 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 social media. You know, she's she is a a very sharp person, but she doesn't like that kind of back and forth, and so she's she is not on social media for that exact reason. She was back in the day and a couple of years back, but has chosen to get off social media because she thinks it makes her life better not to be, you know, constantly inundated with those conversations. I think that some people need to make that choice that, yeah, that we have, you know, that we should do better and we should allow people to not be on social media and take sabbaticals and and recognize that, you know, during some time period, say the weekend, that you're not going to be using these technologies and you're going to spend it more with family. That sort of thing is something I, I think that a lot of people are going towards, or at least I hope that the conversations that we've been having over the last couple of years actually push us towards that direction and make us think more critically about how to use these technologies positively so we don't have all of this, you know, bad problems or bad instances keep on popping up.
0: Yeah, look, to, to everyone out there, it's up to you. I, I can't speak for everyone. If I don't go on it, I don't feel a single difference. If I forget to do it. I don't feel a difference. I tell people not to message me on social media. The messaging component, you know, look, we have telephones and texts, and you actually have email, too, for most of America out there. But yet, if you message me on one of these platforms, Will, chances are I may never see it unless I'm actively, say, during the show and I have a notification. Matter of fact, I turn off notifications. First of all, I don't want my phone constantly dinging every time somebody posts about going to Starbucks, I don't care what you're doing with your coffee life. But, you know, that's my attitude. My attitude is it's a tool. I like having fun on it. I'm sarcastic. Sometimes I want to even be offensive. Fine. But I'm not hooked on it. And what is it going to take to get people to more get to that attitude as adults?
1: I think we're getting there. I think that especially, you know, I'm a I'm a millennial and I think among my generation there is a big um understanding of this. There is a recognition that that you need to take time off and that you know, uh you know, I was recently hanging out with some buddies. We had a uh, a guys weekend and we were all hanging out and you know, I was I was I was doing something contacting somebody and my friends kind of pushed me pushed back and said, "Hey, why are you on your phone so much?" So it's that kind of social dynamic that that I hope that people embrace. And, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate it when people say, hey, you know, you're on your phone too much. You should be more engaged. That sort of thing, I think, is slowly changing. But we're still kind of in this era of digital adolescence. Everyone is. And we're still trying to figure out what the ethics and the morality of the digital world really needs to be. And and that's something that is just going to take, you know, it's going to take a generation for us to figure out how to deal with these things. They're still very new technologies. They're, you know, no more than a decade old. So, it really is still kind of early early stages of learning how to deal with 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 new technologies and social media
0: yeah maybe we can apply the dog years principle as fast as technology <laughs> evolves we should have a multiplier on that you know an exponential effect you know will it, it it occurs to me that part of the conversation that's not being had and if it's been studied i've seen some you know some mention of it in some studies you know children mimic parents right mm-hmm. you know you look in simple terms if your father or mother likes a sports team you might like that team or you might actually like the team's uh, opponent or favorite opponent because that's how it works right so we mimic parents in some way if parents aren't doing the right thing what kind of effect do you think that's having on the kids
1: I think that is that that kind of cascade effect is is clearly I haven't seen a lot of work on this, but I would assume it's probably connected that the parents. And I think the, the interesting part of this is that you see, especially in you know a lot of the kind of big tech um, CEOs, you know, uh, Steve Jobs famously didn't allow his children to be on on social media and on his phone for that long because they recognize that, especially when you're young there are better things to be doing with your time. You know, you, you need to be learning, you need to be active, you need to be out there and playing. And, and so you do see that for, for uh, parents that recognize that, you know, especially early adolescence is a time for development. They don't want kids to spend uh, very much time on technology because it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't develop them. It doesn't enhance their abilities and enhance their way to, to deal with this complex world. It doesn't allow them to grow and develop in the way that um, that it should. Now these they can be beneficial. I, I you know, I use I use social media, I think, very sparingly, but very um, specifically to get information and to connect with researchers across the world. So there I think are very clear benefits to it. But we have to be very clear eyed about the detriments and the and the problems that exist with these technologies. And some of it may just be a pure time factor that we shouldn't be spending as much time on it and, and really parents need to be setting the lead here. Yeah. Good point. You know, the it's not the technology It's
0: the user and the use of it. All right, let's go to this Facebook whistleblower, Francis H- uh, Hagan, or Hogan, rather. A uh, lot of attention on this. Uh, you know, we've seen this before, and I hate to be the cynic, but I am the cynic here, Will. I've seen this play before, go up before conference, uh, Congress. Now she's going to meet with the January 6th committee. Uh, A lot of talk about Facebook's use of artificial intelligence to catch hate speech and misinformation. Yet we have individuals, again, not Facebook, but individuals, people are corporations, who have worked with the Biden administration on misinformation as they see it related to COVID. They will suppress one over another. I'm one of those. I went from millions of interactions per 30-day period to thousands years ago by the way not even related this is before trump so when facebook decides you're the wrong person they've decided but now she's the newest kid on the block what do you how do you assess her potential effect will there be anything real out of this
1: I think that her coming forward really is, um, I don't know if it's a complete and utter sea change, but it, it seems to be just another, you know, it, it seems to be just another, uh, another element of this, of this story. You know, to, to, to have a little bit of context, in 2018 is when the story about Cambridge Analytica really broke. And that seems to be the moment that Congress and politicians really started caring about big tech issues. And within that time, you know, it's only really been three years, we've seen a pretty dramatic change in technology conversation writ large. I've been the busiest I've ever been in my entire career, and it has been in these last three years because so much has changed. I'm I'm hopeful and I think that that there will be change and and we clearly see that Facebook did in fact change some of their internal processes from their own studies, which um which the whistleblower actually highlighted. There were changes that were made. But I think that the conversation now is what can Congress do and what can, you know, what potentially, what more changes can Facebook do to enact better policies for everyone? That to me is, is still very, very difficult to assess because, you know, she is one individual. She sees a small part of Facebook. Um, and Facebook is a big company, right? There's a lot, lot of moving parts. Um, and it's probably unclear if, if anyone really has a good sense of how all of these things interact. I think that that really um, highlights the need for researchers like myself to be involved and for Facebook to be, you know, more open and transparent about their about how they're interacting with people about these kinds of studies writ large, you know, taking these studies to Congress and telling them what's going on and and, and at least presenting them, you know, perhaps in closed door sessions with uh, with the research that they found. Um, it's not. The stuff that she's revealed isn't hugely revelatory. We've kind of known that these things have been going on for the last, you know, last 10 years or so. There's been a lot of good research that's come out on this. But I think where this, what this really starts is a new conversation or a continued conversation about um, really two elements, which is, you know, what can Congress do, but also what is it that, that Facebook is going to need to continue to do and continue to change to, uh, to make everyone happy and to have better outcomes?
0: Now that exit question that always leaves more questions open for the people out there, Will, what should Congress, and maybe even more largely what should government do and what should government not do? You and I have had a conversation that talks about our responsibility at any Mm -hmm. age, right? Individual responsibility, government and regulators what should they do and what shouldn't they do and like i said it leaves 20 other questions open but we'll call it the exit question for today till our next conversation
1: yeah i think what what i mean in part what congress is doing is what they should be doing they should be holding hearings and they should be discovering the kinds of problems that facebook knows about itself right so i think that what's happening is exactly what we should we should uh we should be working towards I'm less clear about what exactly the clean solution to all these problems are because there's so many different, you know, somewhat related issues that are going on. There's concerns about free speech. You know, there's concerns about privacy. There's concerns about competition. And for the longest time, these three areas have been traditionally regulated in very separate ways. And so I would hope to see I mean, my concern probably for first and foremost is dealing with privacy I think having some sort of conversation about a federal privacy bill is probably the most important part of all this conversation, which is also what the um, what Mrs. Uh, Haugen had said. So I think that's probably the first focus, and that should be the area of first focus. But there are obviously concerns with, with free speech issues that, that I think Congress is going to continue to have conversations over. But again, you know, I, I just want to highlight, I don't think there's any real easy one solution. You know, there's, we always, I've always kind of joked that, you know the uh, online space is always really interested in that one simple easy trick and i just don't think there's that one simple easy trick to regulation
0: all right so i told you it leaves 20 more but i'll get a final one in on this i'm with you yeah. there is no one easy solution nor ever will be which brings us back to combined solutions what we do individually as adults what we show to our children. Uh, what children do, there there are others out there that are a part of the solution, and I think more important in the long run than putting government and a regulation in the middle which can be abused uh, at any time by those in government who seek to use it for an ideological purpose.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't know really how to implement that within regulation, though. I think that's the really key question. Keep them
0: out of it. That- yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just, you know, there's there's times when I want congressmen and senators to shut the hell up. I'll just say it for what it is. Stay out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That may be the, I think that's probably the best, at least given what we've seen so far and given given everything we know and the and what I think are the pitfalls of regulation. I think that's exactly where we should probably be headed.
0: All right. See, we end on a point of agreement. We have many, many, many points of agreement. Will, yeah. thank you as always. The great work you, you guys do me. out there. Uh, just keep it up.
1: All right. Thanks so much, David.
0: All right, Will Reinhardt, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for Growth and Opportunity at Utah State University. Website, vcgo.org. You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East, on Sirius XM Patriot 125.